Creatures Podcast, and this is our one-year anniversary special. I am Brian, and with me, as always, my co-host, Todd. What's up, buddy? Happy anniversary, man. We made it a year. I know. Can you believe that? It's been a year already? It's been quick. It's been a fast year. I know. Exciting year. We've uh, done a lot, talked to a lot of people, went to some shows, had a good time. We did. Yeah. We had a couple shows, and they were really fun. I think one of the coolest things about doing this so far is just the people that we've met and the people that we know and we're friends with and, and on Facebook and social media and all that stuff, you know? Yes. Yep. Absolutely. We've met some really cool people, talked to some really cool people. Um, yep. Met some interesting people along the way as well, haven't we? we <laughs> that is an understatement, my friend. We've met some very interesting people. Very super nice people. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong, everybody's been amazing since we started this. So, You know, Brian, um, we, we work at the same place, and how this all got started was we uh, actually met each other while in Oregon. Yeah. Places. Uh, yeah, we were out there on a work trip, and uh, sitting at the bar one night, just started talking. Right, and mm-hmm. we, we found out we had a lot in common. Um, very close birthday, same age. Yeah. Um, and we both were into Bigfoot, and we both were doing our own podcast at the time. Yeah, and uh, we got to talking, and sure enough, we said, "Hey, why don't we do a podcast about together about you know cryptid stuff?" So here we are. Yeah. One year All later, cryptid, and here we are. I can't believe it. I can't either. What a ride it's been! It has. And uh, shout out to all the listeners and and supporters out there. We appreciate it. We appreciate all of you. Thanks for being here with us for this first year, yeah. and more to come. So what we thought we'd do tonight, Brian, as we discussed and we put together, is we did a top 10 of our favorite encounters episodes to play for the folks tonight. Right. And it, it was, let me tell you, it was not an easy, it's not an easy thing to do to pick these. No. You know, all, all our episodes are our favorite episodes, but correct. we, we had to put some together. So we basically picked. Picked ones that were the most popular, but yeah, we we kind of just try to pick a little bit from each kind of uh, time through the year. Not not all early ones or late ones, but um, so yeah, we're yeah. gonna we're gonna play these and and give ourselves a listen again. So we'll, we'll do a countdown. All right. So I'm excited. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. Okay. So are you ready? Here we go. We're gonna start with number ten. Start with number ten. Um, Let's roll it. I'm not gonna say anything till afterwards. We'll just play these and and we'll go. So are you ready? Yeah. Let's right. do it. Here we go. My first encounter was I was, I'm going to say, 16 years old in 1982. And I was out in a patch of woods. I was sitting in a tree stand by myself. We had hunted that, you know, all my life up to that point. You know, every time we'd gone, that's where I'd gone hunting. My father always told me, if you shoot a deer, wait 15 minutes, whistle, and I'll come over. So I was sitting there. It was probably about mid-morning, and I had a deer go by. I took aim at it. Shot the deer, the deer went down, got back up, ran. I watched it go on the path that it went. 
it came back in to the right of my tree stand and I heard it fall. So I waited to 15 minutes, whistled, and my dad come along. And before he came along, probably about five, maybe eight minutes before he came along, I saw what looked to be a person walking on the same path the deer had been on. Walking slowly, it looked like it had a darker colored clothing, maybe the camouflage type clothing on it. It was about 110 yards out. You know, this thing looked much larger than my father. I said, well, geez, that's that's an awful big guy. I followed the blood trail, same direction as this person had walked up and around. Followed it to the spot off to the right up from my tree stand where I'd heard the thing fall. And there was a pool of blood there, but the deer was just gone. Oh, there was no deer, wow. no person, no nothing. But that's where... I had my first encounter with a Sasquatch or a Bigfoot or what Native Americans up here call them as Pamula. Some of the other Native Americans up here go on what we've seen and what we've heard and so on and so forth. So anyway, that was my first encounter. Good old Mike Vachon from Maine. Oh remember Mike? Yeah. yeah, I remember Mike. That I was... think what made that interview the coolest was his accent. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, he has the uh, main accent for sure. Yeah, yeah. he is a good yeah. guy. I like Mike. Uh, oh yeah, super nice guy. With the uh, Maine Bigfoot Foundation, is that right? That's right. Yep. And we also talked to uh, Janelle from there too, who had an encounter on there, which was another great episode, by the way. Another great episode, yeah. Uh, yeah, Mike. Mike was Mike was good. Um, that encounter basically mm-hmm. uh, sounds like a Bigfoot stole his deer, and, and he later on talked about how he was going to go follow it talk to this you know try to track this guy down who stole his deer and right. he realized the guy or whatever he realized it wasn't a guy well it went, yeah it went way deep in the woods where no man could really even terrain especially carrying a deer especially carrying a deer yeah yeah so that was a good one i, I really enjoyed that that was one. a good one um, we'll have to catch up with mike and see what he's been up to yeah definitely definitely one of those guys are still getting out and doing their investigations and whatnot oh i'm sure they are yeah so. I'm sure they are all right, you ready for number nine? Number nine. Yep. All right, Let's here do we it. Go. Number nine. The government is covering shit up. Right. Brian, I got to tell you something, man. For a long time, I battled with the fact of believing in Bigfoot. You know, should I believe? Should I not believe? My right. heart and soul said, people are seeing this thing. They're not making this up. But why aren't we finding bodies? Why isn't there more evidence? Right, exactly. And I battled with this for a long time, trying to figure out, you know, what's going on here. Until, you know, something like we're talking about tonight, the Miller documents hit me. There very well is government conspiracy and cover-up involved in this thing we call Sasquatch Bigfoot. I I truly believe that 100% of my heart. The government knows these things exist, and they're keeping them covered up on top of the fact that they're not only elusive and they hide in caves and, and whatnot. In so, trees, from right. what we've read in these Miller documents. But we're still having sightings upon sightings upon sightings because it's going to happen. It's going to happen, right? These things are out there. Absolutely. People are venturing in their in their world and they're in ours. Well, especially now. I mean, people are outside more and more now. They don't want to go stay in hotels and shit. They're out camping more. They want to get outside. Yeah. After being locked down for so long, you yeah. know, and... It's going to happen. They're going to run into each other. So the Miller documents, 
What's interesting about the Miller documents, they're about a doctor back in, um, what year was that, Brian? Do you know? 19... Uh, 1920, say 29? 29. Yeah. He had graduated from Harvard, Yale. His name was H.A. Miller. I don't know what his full name was. Uh, he was born in 1909. He worked for the National Forest Industry and for the government. In these documents, basically um, talk about him being sent to different areas of the United States to examine bodies of creatures unknown right. to man at the time that were classified as a barrel human. Oh. Yeah, it was the late 30s. So That's he goes right. on to say, uh, it was at the same time that several of our team members were called to Bandera County, Texas, where the forestry scientist biologist assigned to Edwards Plateau reported the dead bodies of strange type of barrel humans. The bodies were supposedly found in or around one of the massive caves. What key words in that phrase caught your attention? Feral humans and found them around the caves. Caves. Now that we're reading these documents, maybe it's because the government's finding them and taking them. So he says, when I arrived in Texas, I was surprised to find three bodies, one adult female and two female juveniles. I examined them as I typically would any human subject, but to my dismay, one of these creatures still seemed to be alive. This is another interesting part, but they seem to have, what do you say, they seem to have a accelerated regeneration process. Man, you are a talker, aren't you? Good old Miller documents. <laughs> Shut that guy up. No, that was a great, I love that episode. Uh, that one? Those Miller documents, they, they stir up a little bit of controversy from, from time to they time. They do. For a lot of reasons. Yeah. For a lot of reasons, yeah. you know. Um, oh, yeah. People trying to prove that they're not real. Um, getting taken down on it's, Facebook like it like it does. You post it yeah, and, and then, is, like, you know. That's happened a couple times. Yeah. So yeah. Um, we put it on our group page and it got taken down <laughs> several times. Several people asking for copies of this thing and, mm -hmm. and digging and looking for this thing. Yeah. Uh, there's some controversy there, whether it, it's real or not, whatever people want to believe. There's some controversy right. related to this. You know, around any Bigfoot research, there's going to be controversy until something's proven 100%, you know? Yeah, you, you just don't know. Right. You know, I mean, to me, the story ties together. It makes sense. Um, Absolutely. I don't know why someone would go to their lengths to create something like that. It's not like they're going to make any money on it. Yeah, that, that kind of hoax. Why, why would they do that? Are they that bored? You know what I'm saying? Uh, who knows? <laughs> but yeah, the Miller documents, uh, another good episode um, where we, we took a break from the guests and we, we talked about these documents that are yeah, interesting and intriguing. Talked amongst ourselves. Right. So yeah. Yeah, if any of you guys want to check these out, just be sure to go back through our um, our list and, and look for these episodes. and. Right. Give them a listen. So yeah, let's do them again. You know, yeah, they get better and better. Right. Okay, number eight. Are you ready for number eight? Number eight. Let's do it. All right. Here we go. It was probably thirty years ago. I lived in the state of Oregon. It's in it's in the Willamette National Forest, and it was approximately, I believe, about eleven miles north, go, going north on the trail. This one time. Hunting season was coming up, and uh, so we decided to go in backpacking. We, you know, we ate lunch and we went out, 
you know, checking out the areas that we normally hunt. This is about 7,000 feet above sea level. So we got in there and got in, in our uh, sleeping bags and went to sleep about two o'clock in the morning. And by the way, I carried a 44 Magnum revolver. So I, I'm very light sleeper. I heard these two legged steps coming closer. They were very hard and very defined. I would say when I heard it judging, maybe 30, from 30 yards away. And then all of a sudden, it stopped. Whatever was coming stopped no more than three feet, if not closer. And I turn around and I look, and it, it is a very big, huge shadow. But I assume that because of the full moon behind it, it that was what was making it that big. I, I heard the breathing, though. And I know better than to think that a person breathes that way. So I started getting confused. I know a bear doesn't walk on two legs for that long anyway. I know they stand in two, but not for that long. And it kept them breathing. You could hear very, very strong breathing. I turn around with the revolver in my hand and I shout out because I didn't know if there was somebody fooling around or going to rob us. I was really confused. I had just woken up. I say, Hey, whoever you are, uh, do not come into the tent because I have a revolver in my hand and I will shoot. Nothing happened. The breathing continued to go. Probably about 30, 40 seconds later, we could see the shadow move to our left. And we, he starts walking to the left. Immediately, I was already sitting down and opened the zipper of, of the tent, put my knee out and look. And when he, when he heard that, he turned around, and I, I tell you, my hair is standing behind my neck right now. And I could see the face. It was what I consider to be a mammal that hasn't been completely discovered. This is my opinion. He turned around. We could see it all. And then he put out a, I, I call it a growl slash scream. It echoed in in the mountains and and i knew when i looked at that i thought to myself i can't stop this thing with the 44 magnum i estimated to be probably nine feet tall and no less than 800 pounds if not more wide i could see the arms i could see the hands he then turned around and started walking in a fast pace and looked back about two or three times and then he went off the main trail into the right towards the north mountain and that's it and, and we never saw him anymore. All right, good old Daniel. That was yeah. a, that was a good episode. I like talking to him, and I like yeah, he was, a lot. He was a lot of fun. That was a good one. That was that was a really cool encounter. Uh, that was called Bigfoot at the Campsite. Was the name of that episode? That's right. Yeah, that's Bigfoot right. at the Campsite with Daniel. Yeah, that was a good one. I like talking to him. Uh, yep. Really good encounter. Um, good description. A close encounter. So. Yeah, yeah, it was fun to talk to you. Moving on, number seven. Ready? Ready, here let's we, get it. Here we go. One of my most recent encounters was back in March of this year, March 9th, and it was getting right about the right type of weather I like to go camping in, and I camp in a hammock and a rain tarp. I'm just like, screw it. I'm going to get my, my stuff together, and I'm going to hit the woods something was moving around my camp but it always stayed outside of firelight the only way you could see it was 
the reflection of its eyes from the fire. This time it came into camp after the fire went out. I was uh, cooking that night. Here I was struggling to keep that fire going. And I didn't have time to go up there to cut trees and split logs so that way they'd cure. was just grabbing whatever I could off the ground around camp trying to stock up. I'm laying in my hammock and everything and I'm just chilling out. I'm listening to uh, just listening to the sounds of the woods. Every so often I'd hear something move over on the west side of my camp. I was laying in the hammock and it was probably about maybe two o'clock in the morning. I mean, this thing moved in such stealth that I didn't hear it until it uh, took three steps and it was right up on me. And it was just one, two, three, bam. And it hit the rain tarp with, and it hit me through the rain tarp of my hammock and my hammock swung out like this. And I was ejected from my hammock and I flew through the air about two foot off the ground. It all happened so fast that all I could do was scream. I went and I hollered, get out of here. And I went and I scrambled and the shotgun was loaded sitting there in a chair right next to my hammock. And it happened so fast, I couldn't even get to the gun. I got gathered myself and I still had my, uh, I mean, it, I was in my hammock and it hit me with such force. I went flying out of there. Well, I crawled across the ground and I crawled up underneath the hammock after I got the gun and kicked my headlamp on. And you can see it walking down the hill. And I could have put one right in his ass if I wanted to. He was that close. The majority of my encounters that I've had, other than this one, they've all been passive. But this one is one that's been reported not just by me, but all of my neighbors out here. Our first reporting that we had of him actually came uh, from my neighbor, where the guy had about 30 goats and all but like five of them were killed. This thing has no problem coming up close to houses. We've had this happen twice here at my house. One time, uh, my mother was laying in bed, and she was just sitting up reading a book, and the cat was sitting in the window. It was summertime, and we had the windows open, letting the air in, and the cat was sitting in the window looking out the screen. And actually, you know, that cat just started having a fit, he, I mean, his tail was like that, and he was growling and hissing. And she looked over, and she says, what's wrong, Freckles? Next thing you know, that screen comes flying out of the window, and she sees an arm reaching in for the cat. Good old Zach. Good old Zach. <laughs> Zach Stark. We like yeah. Zach. Yeah, he's, he's fun. Zach's cool. He's he's had a lot of things going on down there in southern Illinois. Yes. Yeah, we need to get down there and hang out with him for a while. Yeah, we had him on a live show we just did recently. That we'll yes, we did. Eventually. Yes, we did. Yeah, he, he does his um, Duke Randall Outdoor Show also on YouTube. Yep. So he goes out and does yeah, some So camping. check that out if you guys get a chance. Yeah, definitely. Zach's a good guy. Give Zach some love. Yeah, for sure. Check him out. Uh, great guy to talk to, and uh, he's got a lot to say. And, and He does. He knows his stuff. Got a lot of stories for sure. So, and that was called uh, Scarface Sasquatch. Wasn't Scarface, it? yeah. Was the name of his episode. So uh, I didn't play it in that in that little um, bit, but basically he had talked about later where he had a Bigfoot and a couple females around his campground, and he uh, yeah, close up, and, yeah. close up encounter. Huh? So it had a big scar on his face, or had been fighting or something. So he called it Scar. So Scarface Sasquatch. So definitely check that episode out, you guys. If you haven't yet. Moving on, Brian. Number six. Ready for number six? Number six. Heck yeah. Let's 
Get it. Here we go. At age 16, I was deer hunting on the last day of deer season here in West Virginia. That year, my dad let me go by myself for the first time, and I walked about a mile out of Ridge uh, from where we parked my dad's vehicle, walked over, sat down near, near these two boulders, two or three boulders over that were there. And uh, the biggest one was just off to my left, uh, about 20 feet. I've been sitting there maybe 20 minutes or maybe 30 minutes, and these three does came running out. Uh, from behind that boulder, I heard them coming, and I saw them, and they stopped uh, kind of off to my right, probably 30 yards from me, uh, their tongues hanging out, uh, breathing heavily, and I mean, they, they've been ran. I mean, ran hard, and to a hunter, that means that there's a buck in the area, and the buck is chasing the does. That wasn't what chasing, was chasing the does. <laughs> You know, I heard some noise that sounded like a buck deer making grunt sounds uh, from behind this boulder, uh, somewhere off behind it where I couldn't see. And I could hear the footfalls, and I was excited. You know, as a teenager, you know, I was going to get my first deer, you know, first male deer. And, uh, I, you know, I was going to prove myself to my dad, and, you know, I was excited about it. Well, out steps this seven and a half eight foot tall creature covered in a dark auburn hair uh long hair probably five six inches long hanging off the arms and legs uh hair across his chest not as heavy as what the arms and legs were it didn't have a neck it had a chocolate type skin on its hands and on its face it uh Walked out and was concentrating on where those does went. And after about five or ten seconds, it just turned its complete body and looked at me like, what are you doing here? With a surprised look on its face. And uh, after about ten or fifteen seconds, it, it started curling its lip up, exposing its teeth, growling at me. It took a step towards me. Now, this was at 20 feet. Now it's at about 16, 15 feet. And I'd already raised the rifle that I had to my shoulder. And when it took that step, I pulled the hammer back on the rifle that I had. This thing almost instantly went into a surprise look. It stopped growling at me. It shut its mouth. It finally decided to run back towards the uh, boulder it came out from. And I could hear it running, and when it disappeared from sight, and it, and I thought that it was maybe 50, 60 yards running, still running up the hollow, I got up and turned and started towards the top of the hill. And about the time I hit the top of the hill, this thing screamed at me. Old bear. Old bear's Dan. He's a good guy, old bear. Uh, yeah, he is. Got his own YouTube channel called Old Bear's Den. Yeah, give him a give him a listen. Yeah, give him some love. You guys check him out on there. He's got a lot of Bigfoot stuff going on, and that was that was really one of the most intriguing uh, encounters that I think we've ever heard, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, for that guy to be 16 years old, out hunting by himself for the first time, I believe, wasn't it? And have yeah. one walk up like that. I mean, and he he was going to shoot like this the- thing. Yeah, yeah. That one was called Sasquatch Standoff. 
That's right. So uh, yep. give that one a listen and check out Old Bear's Den on YouTube. Yeah. yeah, that's another one we need to get a hold of again and see see how he's doing. Yeah, I'm sure he's got plenty of more stories he can talk to us about. Oh, I'm sure he does. And tell us. More than more yep. than we probably even can fathom. But uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll, we'll get in touch with him. All right. Moving on, Brian. We're in the top five now. What? The five already? We're in number five already. All right. Let's hear it. All right. Here we go. There is four of us. There is myself and there's three others. We're watching and I notice a pair of red orbs, which ended up being eyes about eight foot off the ground looking at us. It was about our one thirty two o'clock position. At first, I thought it was, you know, a hoot owl or something. You know, the lights was reflecting off of its eyes. And, you know, I didn't think too much about it for a second. And, and it was in October. So, you know, it's dark out. It's cool out. And, you know, it's one of those, a spooky time of the year to start with. I look over and. I break out some of our night vision gear, look over at it. There's a freaking dog man sitting there looking back at me. So I hit the guy next to me and point over at it. And I go, what's that? He sits there and he drops his nods down, night vision, looks over. He looks at me. I look at him. And we're like, what the? Now, this group of people that I'm with, we're all combat veterans. We were all served in the 91 Gulf War and various other places around the world. So, you know, it's one of those, we're not a bunch of newbies that are out on our very first assignment and have no idea what the f- we're doing or anything. It's, we've already been out, we've seen some stuff and yeah. So he's looking at me, I'm looking at him and we both get this really, it was a feeling of like, I don't, I can't say dread, but it was just one of those, it was sitting there almost like it was a decoy, you know, it was just sitting there, just looking at us. It was about eight foot tall. It looked like, it looked like your typical sort of wolf standing on two legs. I'm using the term hands loosely. It's hands look sort of like a raccoon's hands. You know how they're sort of long and digity? That's the easiest way I can try to explain what the hands look like. Now, through the night vision, I can't tell you what color the hair was because it's all shades of green, but I can tell it was a dark color. It had the ears that were, you know, sort of like a a German shepherd. You know how they got the ears that stick straight up, sort of straight up? It had ears like that. It looking at me was enough to scare the living shit out of me. And now all of us, we were all armed as well. So I might want to throw that in. We're all packing and we all had Beretta nine millimeter pistols as well. So, you know, it's one of those we're armed and we're looking at this thing going, holy, we all jumped in the Humvee and we tore out of there. Good old Lee. Remember Lee? Oh yeah, that one was a cool one. That one, yeah, that was crazy. That was a that was our first dogman encounter. That was our very first dogman, yeah. And we were pretty excited about that. From what I, I was, anyway. Um, yeah. I, I was too. And the fact that Lee was a uh, you know a military guy, and this happened while he was in the military, 
um, made it even better. Um, yeah. So that one was called Special Ops Dogman Encounter. Yes, it was. So if anyone wants to go back and check that one out, there you go. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, that was an interesting one. So definitely check that one out. Yeah, well, he was a good, he's a pretty good guy. Uh, I yep. think I cleaned that up a little bit. Uh, if you do listen to the original yeah. episode, it's a little explicit. It's a little explicit. Uh, yeah, Lee expresses himself pretty much openly. So, anyway, uh, that was number five, Brian. So moving on to number four. Number four. Here we go. All right, here we go. I'm looking at this thing and I'm like, oh my god, what you know, what in the hell is this? It's only when I realize is we're still walking forward, looking back, that this thing's now walking on two legs and it's taking its left arm and right arm, moving a tree either left or right. And then it done, I mean, that's not a bear. It's a full moon. I mentioned the American werewolf in London. The first thing in my mind, I'm thinking, oh my God, it's a werewolf. These things really exist. It, this thing was so massive, like massive. And when you see a werewolf, you know, in the movies, they're like tall and slender. This thing was like massively wide and tall. It's just like, the hell is this? So we're picking up our pace, walking further and faster. I keep looking back and this thing, the strides that it took was massive. And we're walking, and this thing's walking with us. Each step, you could hear the thump. In a weird way, you can almost feel the vibrations of the thump, though it's 20, 25 feet up, probably 20 yards off. Is You could hear the thump, and it was just like, I keep looking at Buddy, I'm like, do you feel that? He's like, I'm trying not to think about this. Let's just get the hell out of here. He's freaking out. And I just, I'm in shock, like, am I seeing what I'm seeing? Is this a bear or werewolf? And never done, I mean, at the time, a Bigfoot. So we continuously walk, and this thing continuously follows us. And we keep walking now. And I was like, you know, buddy, pick up the pace. Try to fast walk as fast as you can. Don't run, because creatures, if you run, they like to chase. And I keep looking up to my left, above or ahead of me, and realize this thing's going to be at ground level with us because the mountain starts coming down towards leveled with the road. And I'm like, oh shit, this is where we're going to die at. We're going to have to stop and turn around because eventually this thing's going to be at ground level with us. And what I fail to tell your viewers and you at this time, as we're walking, Buddy's like, you know how when you're with your wife or your girlfriend, if they're walking on your right side, they take the right side of your arm, wrap their arms around. But he's wrapping his arms around me and he's digging his fingernails inside of me because he's scared. This thing was standing broadside, looking right at us. Buddy decides to look at it. He's like, it's staring right at us, watching us. I can see its eyes looking at us. I'm like, just just keep walking. Don't make any motions to piss it off. Let's just keep walking. Now it's pivoting towards our direction. I was like, that's good. Let's just keep walking. Buddy's looking back and he grabs me and squeezes even harder. He's like, holy shit, it's walking. It's walking in our direction. I look back. And then sure enough, it's walking in our direction. I'm like, oh God, oh God. If we can just get in the headlights of the truck and just run towards the truck, we'll be all right. Oh, Alan Jackson. That's your boy, Alan Jackson. Not the singer. No, not the singer. Alan was a really cool guy. He is a really cool guy. Um, Well, yeah, he was. And it was, man, that was probably one of our most popular episodes. Yeah, he's a great storyteller. And he's got... A really great encounter. Uh, he's got a few different encounters, actually. Yeah. Um, um, and he knows a lot of things. Um, 
you know. He does. A lot yeah. of people don't he know was... about cryptids and Bigfoot. So uh, mm-hmm. he's a very informative yeah. guy. That's another one we'll have to get back in touch with and see what's going on. Yeah, we should bring Alan back on and see what else he can mm-hmm. he can you know just talking talk, talking Bigfoot in general with with him would be fun. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, he had his encounter in West Virginia and he lives around um, Louisville. Uh, we called that episode West Virginia Woodbooger. That's right. So if you guys, if you don't know what that means, look it up. Yep. Go that's give it. They a, call them down give there. it a listen. Yeah, that's what they call them down in West Virginia. The Woodboogers. Yeah. The Boogers Woodbooger. will get you. <laughs> Boogers will get you. That's right. All right, man. We're getting close. Uh, moving on to where are we at, where are we at number, now? We're on number three. Number three. Yeah, number oh, three. all right. Three all right, let's do it. Mine was um, 1979, Brethren, Michigan, which is south of Traverse City in Manistee County. My parents had a cabin on uh, Highbridge Road, south of the Manistee River. I'm not sure the exact time, but it was middle of the night, but it woke me up that I could hear what I thought was a wolf or a dog. Now, I'm 16. I was junior in high school. And uh, like I said, it woke me up, this dog snarling, and the turkey's just going crazy. Well, of course, without even looking, I just roll out of the bed and bang on the window, like, you know, scaring the thing off, right? Well, it, it continued, and I just jerked the, the, the blinds away, and the freaking thing stood up. I could see the snout, the ears, the whole nine yards. And it's got two turkeys in its snout, and it's on its hind legs. And I got a perfect outline of the whole damn thing. Ears, snout, hind legs. I mean, it freaked me out. And... I got the whole yellow side eye, like, what the hell are you looking at kind of a thing. And it's just, it's like happy as a pig and you know what, because it's got two fat turkey birds hanging out of its snout and it's going home to feed whatever. But then the next morning I get up and of course I run right out to the yard and there's guts and things everywhere. I was 13. What I remember is it did not look like a bear and it did not look like an ape. It looked like us, but it was a very different us. And the closer it kept on getting, the more concerned I was for my own survival. So that's when I turned around and I just hauled. It was terrifying. I mean, as a 13-year-old child, you're terrified. And then when you realize it's not a bear, I really believe it is an, an unknown humanoid that is somehow vectored off the Homo sapien, Homo erectus line, living a very elusive, hidden life somewhere. But I do not believe it's a primate. Ah, yeah, Wayne and George. Those guys were a lot of fun, man. And they were. They were hilarious, and they had some really great encounters. Yes, for sure. Uh, Those guys were on the Hulu Sasquatch documentary, if you guys have seen that. They were. If you haven't watched that yet, watch it. Yeah. Scott, I'm sitting in some chairs talking about um, Bigfoot and whatnot um, throughout yeah. the throughout the, the series. Um, mm-hmm. It's a really good series, too, that Hulu Sasquatch. I've watched it a couple of times now. I could watch it over and over. The way it's put together is really good. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. But those guys uh, kind of became popular on that, and then they started No Myth with Wayne and George. So they have that That's going. That's right. So check out their podcast there. Yep, check out their Facebook page as well. Uh, mm-hmm. They go to a lot of shows, and they live near Seattle. Washington. Yeah. 
they go to a lot of shows out there. So if, if you guys are out there attending any kind of Bigfoot conference, a bigger Bigfoot conference like the Kelso show um, or any, any other shows around there, they're, they're probably there and they, and, and they do some speaking and whatnot. And they're a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they are. And they're funny uh, the way they interact. They were, yeah, we just had them on our live show too. Yeah, they were there too uh, doing mm-hmm. their thing. So uh, we called their episode Michigan Dog Man and it was No Damn Bear. That's right. If you guys want to check that out, give those guys a listen. Uh, yeah. Talking about their different encounters, Wayne having a dogman encounter and George having a Bigfoot encounter. That's right. Um, so, little known fact too, as well, George tried out for Joey Tribbiani on Friends. He, did. he That's was, right. He was one of the candidates for him. Uh, Unfortunately, he got beat out by Matt LeBlanc. So. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> So yeah, we've kind of had some famous people in here, you know. I'm just yeah, saying. you know, we're kind of we're kind of big deals. <laughs> All right, man, we're down to the last two. Last two last already? Two. Yeah, it's moving right along. Yeah, it? yeah, it is. All right. All right, let's hear it. Okay. Number two. Here we go. Things that may have happened in the past, part of that uh, might have been Bigfoot things, but they wasn't looking for Bigfoot. wasn't on the radar. They're just hunters, and they didn't even know about that. So. I didn't go up there until 71 when one of the guys uh, after the Johnson's came out and told them uh, how these sounds and things and they seen this big track and they realized something really unique is going on up there so uh, anyway the hunters all of them went back I wasn't part of the group at the time I was just friends with them all and really uh, the, one of the guys got scared off he heard the sounds and pretty aggressive to start with really you've heard them I think a lot of people have and uh, that uh frightened him he was very religious he didn't know where to put that in his paradigm and he just uh wives were worried the guys hadn't came out when they were supposed to and that guy ran out the next morning after the sounds and uh, left a note for the other guys <laughs> he they said well, you got to go back and see if these guys are right they don't know they just knew there was a monster up there of some kind they didn't know just didn't know why he's looking for bigfoot other than had a bigfoot you know and uh so uh, he wouldn't go back by himself he asked me if i'd join him and i gladly did i didn't know it's exciting to me, and uh, that's how I got involved in the group '71. So that was the first time I heard sounds and and uh, and saw the huge tracks that they were making prints. And uh, so that's the Sierra sounds. And we start with 1972 is when we got a hold of uh, Al Berry via Peter Byrne via uh, Ivan Sanderson to uh, uh, go up there and investigate and look around and try to see what's going on. Eight miles in the wilderness, <clears throat> 8,400 feet elevation, very imposing area to get to. And uh, I might say it's been an exciting time. Uh, we started recording the things, and Al Berry started recording the things in 72, and he's the one that really fostered the sounds. As a, for a, He was a master in science. He, he was nobody's a fool, I guarantee you that. He was looking for a hoax, which we didn't know at the time, but he, he, uh, he got the sound study at the University of Wyoming for a year, showing that they were real, that they were not a 60-cycle humming, which was showing pre-recording, re-recording. There was no change in the speed alterations of the sounds. And that was Dr. Professor Curlin uh, at the University of Wyoming. And so that was a big hurdle. That was uh, published in 1978, actually. And he uh, actually it was in a book, uh, Man Like Monsters on Trial, his whole report. That was a big thing but still academia said well something's messing around here because but he showed where the sounds were inside outside below above everywhere within the human range outside the human range just incredible so he showed that in a graph and he was a professor he's written over 100 professional papers i mean the guy's 
top notch. And uh, yet, academia still hadn't grabbed a hold of it. You know, as far as uh, these things can't talk, they got to be a primate that doesn't fall into Darwin's evolution or nothing like that. So, now, Ron Moorhead. Talk about famous people, Mister right. Moorhead. That was probably the biggest one we've had on the show so far. Hopefully, we get some more. Yeah, uh, for those of you who don't know, Ron Moorhead is famous for the Sierra sounds recorded back in the early 70s in the Sierra Mountains in California, where they had a hunting camp way up in the remote wilderness. Um, I don't even think park rangers knew about it because they found it years later and made them shut it down uh, due to fire hazard and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, they were were interacting with these creatures at night and hearing hearing things, and they recorded the Sierra sounds. which is, if you haven't heard of, we, we also play those on that episode. So if you want to look that that's up. Right. It's so a, if you listen to that episode, that's the Ron Moorhead and the Bigfoot Science. Yep. Give that, give that one a listen and you can hear the Sierra sounds on there and hear what these things are doing. It's very strange. They, they're going into what a Bigfoot sounds like when he talks. Yeah. They have a language and they talk to each other in, in kind of a that's weird right. jibber jabber kind of language. Um, yeah. And they proved that these recordings that they weren't man-made if, uh, yep. you know, That's, and he talked about that on that clip yeah. so it was great talking to ron and for him to come on with us so yeah, it was I felt really privileged to have that guy on man as, yeah. as famous as he is in the bigfoot community um yeah. you know, he took the time to talk to, yeah. to our little show <laughs> yep that's pretty cool so shout out to ron and uh keep doing what you Good do time. man we appreciate that Heck yeah being the yeah we love it the investigator and Bigfoot enthusiast that he is. So that's right. And check out his books. Check out his books. Yep. Check out his newest book, Quantum Bigfoot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Pick that up. All right, my friend. We are down to number one. A big number one of the year. Big number one. I think that we chose was. this chose this one due to popularity and just the number of downloads we had in general. Yeah. Yep. This um, is uh probably the biggest episode. Yeah. That we had, yeah, um, with one big glaring question at the end, but we will cover that when we're done correct. with this clip. So. Correct. Those of you who've heard this, you know what we're talking about. That's right. So, okay, man, are you ready? Number one. Let's get number one. Okay. I turned my head, was looking that way, and I seen something black come out of the thistles. What I'm looking at is either the biggest dog on the planet, or I don't know what the hell I'm looking at. But I'm like, that ain't no, that ain't no damn dog. What the hell is that? What the F is that? What the blank is that, man? I just know it's big and I see a dog head with ears. And then as I'm looking at it, I'm like, wait, are those shoulders? This thing raised his head and looked right at us. It came forward two steps. And by the time it took that second step, the first Front one fourth, maybe a little bit more of his body was in the light rocket seat. But as it was coming forward, when it put its hand out into the light, where it came right out into the circle of light, I seen a hand. It, the fingers might have looked like an older person, maybe with with arthritis in the joints. But other than that, for all intents and purposes, it's a hand, and it's got three inch, two and a half, three inch claws coming off of each finger. So I'm looking like, what in the blank is that? The claws were curved. It put his hand down on the ground. 
the fingernails would hit the ground, but the very tip of the fingers wouldn't rest on the ground. She could have reached out and grabbed my head and picked me up. When she was coming forward into the light, you couldn't, there was no internal eye glow. The only eye glow I seen was when she came into the light and her eyes caught the light that was available. That's when they glow. And the, the color that best described me is a dead yellow. She looked right at me. She looked right at me, but she looked at everybody else too. But she did one smooth motion, like, but it was just a slight, slight hiccup, like, okay, see you, see you, see you, see you, see you, see you. And then she went right back to focusing on the dude that had the gun. She laid her ears back and growled. I stood right there and pissed on myself. And I'm not ashamed to say it. It wasn't very loud. It was almost like she didn't want anybody other than the people that were there to hear her. But I felt that in my body. I don't know if I, it hit me and went from my head down to my chest or came from my feet up to my chest. These things can move some air by not putting a whole lot of effort into it. I mean, it was like, and then you add about eight, nine octaves of that. And then you can actually feel it hit you. That's when I started thinking, you can ready to die. You can ready to die, dude. And it's not going to be a pleasant death. You're going to feel every bite, every shred, every rip. <laughs> it's, it's a wrap, Roy. Roy Stubblefield. It's your boy, Roy Stubblefield. That's right. Dogman encounter. episode that was. Yeah. Man. Okay. Out of Louisiana. Rougarou. Rougarou. That guy can tell a story, too. Uh, you know, how he how he describes the details of everything and the settings and puts it all together. Yeah. He just really, yeah. uh, really knows how to talk about his encounter and how it yeah, happened. That was a, yeah, he told that perfectly. Yeah. Um, one thing that happened in the story, for, for those of you who have listened, if you haven't listened to it, be sure to check it out. The episode's called It's a Werewolf, I'm Going to Die. Um, Roy's been on um, the Terror in the Woods or These Woods Are Haunted show talking about this too. Yeah. If you want to try to look him up on there. I'm um, not sure what season it was, but uh, that's how we kind of got a hold of him and we, we, looked, we looked him up and, uh, and he came on and talked to us. That's right. And uh, one of the things in the story he talks about is when he goes to uh, meet this girl somewhere, um, he's, he, he's at a basketball court at nighttime and there's some guys playing basketball and one of them's name's Herman. Herman. And Herman uh, befriends him. And, and uh, what happens is during the episode, uh, they encounter a dog man on the railroad tracks and Herman's pretty much the victim. Uh, he gets kind of knocked down and, this thing standing over him. Mm -hmm. um, long story short, they get out of it and, you know, Herman's hair has a spot on his head that turns white. He, he's like freaked out. His grandmother's like, what'd you do to my kid? And they take him home, you know, mm -hmm. um, is he on drugs? What, what happened to him? Um, you know, and, and Roy, Roy empathized for Herman, you know, he really cared about this guy and what happened to him, you know, because he, he was mm -hmm. the guy that was nice to him. Um, so we never finished the story uh, as Roy's episode was, was kind of getting longer and we never right. found out what happened. So we never got the, yeah, we never got the finish for Herman. Right. And, and a lot of people were asking us, 
you know, about that. We'd really like to know what happened to Herman. What happened to Herman? You know, and, and we're like, yeah, we kind of want to know what happened to Herman too. Uh, right. We do know that he got back to his grandmother's house and he was left there uh, mm-hmm. after they'd called the cops because someone thought he had done something to him or drugged him. He was so out of it. Um, that's all we knew. That's what it was left at. So a lot of people were inquiring what happened to him. So um, we tried to get Roy back on the show. To come back and talk, uh, he's kind of been, you know, I won't say reluctant, but he's just not ready to come on and talk about it. But it did pass on the information right. to us. And so we know what happened to Herman. Finally. Finally. So, so Herman, uh, we talked to Roy and he, he kind of fills us in. Basically what happened was he went back to look for any of the guys that he was with in this episode uh, that they encountered the, the uh, dog man, uh, specifically Herman. And he said, hey, man, if anyone knows a guy, uh, you know, um, who's got like a white patch on his head, um, you know, in this area, I'd like to get in touch with him. I'd like to know who he is. And he said time went by, time went by. And then he got a message from somebody saying that, um, you know, I think you're talking about my dad. And so Roy gets in contact with Herman's son who in the episode wasn't born yet. He were talking about, you know, him having a kid. Right. So this is the kid and Roy gets in touch with him. Um, and tries to find out what happened to his father. Um, so the kid's like, well, how do you know my dad? And, and the kid seemed very, um, offish about the story that Roy told him about how he knew. And the kid's like, I don't believe that you guys didn't see a dog, man. My dad was just nuts. You know, my dad had issues. He, he, he was unstable. So Roy's like, well, what are you talking about? And basically the kid said, you know, I was seven when my dad died. Um, but I remember he was, he was paranoid. He couldn't go out of the house. He constantly was staring out the windows, uh, scared to go on a car ride. Heaven forbid you get him near any kind of railroad tracks. Um, he just lived his life. This thing affected him so much. He lived his life in such fear that at the age of 30, his heart basically just gave up on him and he died, had a heart attack. Oh. So that's it what happened. That's what happened to Herman. Uh, like that's what happened to Herman. That's, that's a terrible story. Like Roy said, oh. uh, the thing didn't kill him then at the time, but it killed right. him eventually. Eventually. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, People don't know how traumatic some of these things can be. And um, right. you know, like our crazy asses, we want to go out and see one. We want to encounter yeah, one. Right. You know, <laughs> we would probably be like, why did we ever in the world want to do that? Yeah, no kidding. Um, I doubt that, but we'll see. No, I don't, I don't either. Cool. But, uh, I guess I'm prepared we'll for it. A lot of people that see things aren't prepared for it. Right. I, yeah. I would be like, okay, cool. What's this? You know, mm-hmm. Maybe. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, yeah, but you never know until it actually happens. So, I mean, we can sit here and talk all we want, but we would never know our reaction until it actually happens. Right. You know. Man, let's hope someday it does, Brian. Let's hope someday we're both on an excursion. We're going to be working on. Once again, my friend, uh, congratulations on a year together doing this yes, show with me. One whole year, man! It just gets more fun every time we do it. Uh, it's been a great year, and I want to thank all the listeners and all this, all the people who supported us. Yeah, we wouldn't be here without you guys. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank all the guests for coming on, and when we wouldn't be here without them either. They've nope. been a big, huge part of this. We put a lot of time and effort into this, and, and we continue to grow mm-hmm. and try to continue to get as best content as we can out and, there for you guys. And let me tell you something. If you guys 
are thinking about making a podcast. It's a lot of work to start, but it's a lot more work once you get this thing going and keeping it running. I mean, we love doing it, but man, it's a lot of work. And Keep for, that in mind if you're trying to start a podcast. For two people. I mean, you know. Yeah, we it's both just me and Todd. It's not, yeah, we don't have assistance or anything. Else. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of fun, though. Um, but it is a lot of work, you know, a lot of the editing, recruiting the mm-hmm. people to come on and, and getting them to yeah. keep their keep their commitments uh, or something happens. But I wouldn't trade it for nothing, man. No, I love it. No, it's, it's an awesome time. And, and we're going to continue mm-hmm. to try to talk to some, some, some guests with some awesome encounters and, and bring that to you guys. We're always looking for... New encounters, or yep. If you've had an encounter, as we say all the time, and you want to come on the show, get a hold of us. We're, we're mm-hmm. everywhere. We are everywhere. Email us info at cryptidcreatures.co. We got a phone number now. Eight seven seven five Dogman. Yep. Get a hold of us there. Uh, just look us up on Facebook. We have a group page too. Instagram, all Facebook, the Instagram, there, Twitter. So. Uh, yeah, everywhere. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. So, so get in touch with us if you've seen something. Let's talk. Yeah, and it, anything. I mean, we do everything. We're, the show is called Cryptic Creatures, so we go from Bigfoot to aliens to paranormal. Yeah. You know, we so, haven't done a Loch Ness Monster yet. No, and I want to. I wish we could get a hold of somebody. I think we're going to have to go. We're going to fly over there and do it ourselves. Maybe. So if anybody out there knows anybody who's had a Loch, uh, Loch Ness Monster encounter, tell them to get a hold of us. Yeah, absolutely. Or even that. a or even a champ sighting. Yeah, you know that's a little closer to home. Yeah, uh, probably a Wendigo. We're looking for a Wendigo too. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> the thing with the Wendigo is, this, there's never survivors. There's never witnesses. Oh. So I don't. <laughs> that's the uh, that's the theory behind the Wendigo. If you see one, well, it eats. You know. If you see one, you're done. Yeah, pretty much. Because you may you become it. Well, I guess it depends on which legend you're. you're, you're, you're. Yeah. We'll do a whole show on the Wendigo because we want to do want to do that. What else haven't we done a show on? All of them, Mothman. I haven't done a Mothman show yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we gotta mm-hmm. get we gotta get in gear. We got a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta make year two a lot a lot more. Uh, Year two is going to be huge. That's right. We're going to be everywhere. So, all right, man. Well, thanks for hanging out with me and uh, glad to to be here a year with you, brother. Same here, man. One whole year down already. I can't believe it. One whole year. And thanks again to all you guys, all your listeners, all your guests, all your supporters. We appreciate it again. Yeah. Yeah, again, we couldn't do it without you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, my friend. I will talk to you again soon. Until next time. Damn right. See you.